This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today in person for the first time ever is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. I hope you can uh, hear us okay. For once. Over, the, hear us okay. over <laughs> the, the ache and, and sorrow that is emanating from our voices <laughs> after today's game. Yeah, we, uh, Dan watched at work. I watched on a plane. Um, the, the sorrow was equal. Um, I felt like, as I, I mentioned on Twitter... Someone just shouting and screaming into space by themselves. It's really amazing how this team seems to win and lose in the exact same way every time since basically like the UNC Notre, uh, Notre Dame losses. They're consistent. They're they are they're like consistently frustrating. They can't put a game away if they win. They don't just fall apart if they lose, but they can't make the plays that they need to win the game. Um, and this was just the the next logical evolution of that. Uh, and and. It seems like they're just trying to play themselves to like the exact bubble, and instead of like clinching it tonight, like they're like, "What can we do to make sure this is as stressful as humanly possible on Sunday?" Um, both in wins and losses. Like there was a while where it seemed like we were nowhere near the tournament, and we got ourselves there. And now it's just like, let's let's find the most stressful possible resume uh, heading for our fans to deal with heading into Sunday. And I think we got there. I think this is a, a really just unique uh, set of circumstances that get us to not knowing. And not having any idea if we're making the tournament or not. Like, a bunch of people have us in, uh, some have us out. I don't feel great about it at all. Yeah, I think this is like one of those, like, pick your own ending books almost. Or at least <laughs> or at least one of those books where, like, like, go to chapter five, find out what happens, and pick this door. Like, we're going to, the, the end of the book's going to be the same probably. But we're finding the, like, most roundabout, ridiculous way to circumvent logic. Uh, to get to an NCAA tournament bid, obviously that includes an eight and five non-conference record with miserable, miserable losses. Um, one inexplicable in-conference loss to Boston College, and then a bunch of really nice wins. Um, I don't think anyone, if you look at just on paper, uh, would think Syracuse would be able to beat Louisville um, in either building, and yet we almost did in Terry Dome. Um, the one really damning thing I found out at stake is I don't think this loss to Miami really negates the win over Miami. Um, it does continue to add fuel to the Syracuse can't do anything outside the Carrier Dome fire, um, which is turning into 
probably the biggest selling point against us yeah. um, at this point. I mean, obviously, and this isn't like to tie in other years, but you know, Syracuse still yet to win an ACC tournament game. Um, they haven't won um, against a legit opponent away from the Carrier Dome since the Elite Eight last year. Like, there's there's definite things that you can hold against this team if you so chose to. Um, as we've said before, the bubble isn't weak necessarily, but it is weird. Um, and it's really, I mean, Syracuse has played themselves into a situation where, you know, if some surprise runs happen, if some upsets happen, um, you know, a team that seems like well out of it, like Georgia, um, or a team that seems like they're, you know, kind of on the cusp, but below us, like Illinois, makes a run. Like, those are the types of things that we need to really probably be more concerned about this year than any other in recent memory because of how, I think, tenuous our situation is and how much the committee is probably looking for any reason to not include us in the field. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, the obvious comparison is the last year, and while we seem to be in a very similar position as last year, and obviously we got the 10 seed, which worked out well, um, last year we had a pretty, like, standard bubble. I mean, it was still, like, kind of a feast or famine, but, you know, we had some nice set of conference wins. We had a win at Duke, which was huge. We had some bad losses scattered throughout. Um, but it was, like, at a low RPI, uh, which to this point is the lowest ever, obviously. It sounds like we'll beat that if we make it this year. Um but it was like a pretty, you know, it was it was a resume that looks like a bunch of bubble resumes every year. This year's team is so much weirder. You have three top ten wins, but they're all in the dome. You have what two and eleven record away from the dome. You have no good out of conference wins to like speak. Four sub one hundred losses. Four sub one hundred losses. Um, and then, but then a ten and eight record in the ACC, the best conference, uh, which might get eleven teams in. Um, I think Wake Forest just did a thing. Uh, it must have been a halftime buzzer beater based on time, right? Problem. Apparently they just had a buzzer beater, but I assume it was halftime. Against Tech, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Go Virginia Tech, by the way. Uh, that would help. Um, so, yeah, it's just like everything is at, like, you have some things that make it look like a slam-dunk tournament team if you just didn't have, like, the BC loss or the or the uh, Georgetown loss or the St. John's loss. But then the bad, like, the, the negatives are so heavy Glaring. in like the opposite more direction. More than any other team like up for consideration. Yeah, and then the RPI is bad. Now the question is, how much are they going to use the RPI this year? Because there's been talk of them weighing in things like, what, Jerry Palm's rankings and some other stuff. Ken Palm. I Ken, mean, Palm. Ken Palm and Zagarin specifically said they didn't want theirs used exclusively. Um, yeah. Because they felt that theirs were more predictive measures than measures of what you've done. And Which they, is fair. Yeah, and I think that the, the quote from Ken Pomeroy was... Um, the public can't handle a 16 and 16 team with the number one or number top 10 ranking in my ratings getting in over a team that wins 27 games. Like a St. Mary's yeah. last year. Or like you're even like in a major conference, like a team that wins 27 games, like they can't rectify that and that would probably ruin the tournament. So I think he even recognizes like the limitations of his own metric. Um, I do agree that RPI is going to be less of a factor this year. Which I is saw, good for us, you, yeah. because their RPI is bad. It's, it's like bad. 80. And the RPA isn't a great measure uh, in terms of like, actual math. Um, but what I have seen a lot of people citing this year, and I don't know if this is indicative of anything, is the non-conference strength of schedule, um, which looked good when we scheduled it. Even Doug Gottlieb's like, um, when you have a schedule of, I saw this today on Twitter, like if you have a schedule of Georgetown, UConn, Wisconsin, South Carolina, uh, who else did we have? St. John's, uh, Monmouth. St. John's, Monmouth. Like, that looks like a much better schedule than it ended up being. That wasn't really our fault. Like, we thought it was a major schedule, and, like, South Carolina ended up being good. Wisconsin ended up being pretty good. But, like, UConn, Georgetown both fell apart. Suck guys. Um, and then, like, everyone else was pretty pretty much garbage. And we didn't have any of those, like, 
pesky mid majors, really. I guess Monmouth is decent, but like not going to have that many points at this point. Right. Um, Thanks, Monmouth. Yeah, great, great job, guys. For messing up the. Um. Yeah. So it's it's just like it, you really you really have to pick at like the thing that you want to sell your argument because it's not like a a great culmination of things. It's like you're either focusing hard on the things that make SU look good or hard on the things that make SU look bad because there's really no middle. Like either uh, uh, any whatever you choose either makes it look like Syracuse is a, a really good bet or an awful bet. Yeah, I saw, and I was actually really surprised by this. I mean, Eamon Brennan's not someone who's who's really bearish on Syracuse, but he's definitely not bullish either. Um, I think he's actually one of the more fair folks in terms of, and then it's why he's good. He runs Bubble Watch or ESPN. Um, I think he's just pretty fair in general. And he said that SU was in after the Georgia Tech win. Now, we've been in this situation before, if folks recall, um, for the longer tenured SU fans among us. Um, 2007, Joe Lenardi had us in as a 10 seed. Um, we did not make the field. I think Lenardi is probably less credible um, than Brennan, but that's just me. Um, if Brennan thinks we're in, I would think we're in. I still think we're in. I know Chris DeBerdian thinks that we are in the playing game. I would probably trend more towards that. I think Bracket Matrix has us as like the third. I think we're one of the playing 11s. Yeah. Which, like, uh, I don't really want to do, but it's better than not being in, I guess. I just don't want to face Vanderbilt. Uh, I don't want to face Vanderbilt. We're just... We're, uh, and no, I don't want to face it. Like, I, I want to see, like, Kansas State. I'll play anyone if we play the Dome. Oh, yeah. If they want to move that to the Dome, <laughs> I'm, I'm down, like, throw us whomever. No, I just want to see, like, Kansas State, like, play the... Like, if I want to see Kansas State play their way into that first four matchup, because then I want to smoke them. Vanderbilt, on the other hand, I want no part of. It's tough. Like, I just don't know what team we're going to get. Like, if it's if, if the Dome is such a big factor, like, I don't know that it matters that much. Are we really going to find... Are we going to make Dayton feel like home? Like, <laughs> no. I don't know. It's, we're not. No. So, uh, I would much rather get into the field of 64 because I feel like losing on Tuesday or Wednesday makes it feel like you weren't even in the... T- I mean, I don't know. Right. Yeah, we haven't been there, but it may, would kind of probably make it feel like you weren't in the tournament at all. That's what the players said. I know in the first one. Whoever it was from Clemson back like five years ago said, "Right, like, like, in a tournament. you're out before people have even finished filling out the brackets." Right, um, which is fine. I mean, if we end up in the first four, we deserve to be in the first four. Yeah, you can't really argue with it. Yeah, like th- th- this is not one of those years. Like 2007, 2007 is a very different kind of um, animal than this year than last year. Like, if we don't make it this year, there isn't really. Like we said before, there's a compelling argument for why and why not. Yeah. And and anyone sitting here thinking that, like, SU's a lock, even the experts thinking SU's a lock, like, Dan and I aren't aren't homers to the extent that we're, that we're blind about this team, but we obviously have an invested interest in seeing them succeed. Yes. <laughs> and and, and we, we aren't wishing ill upon them. We just, we're being realistic here that, that this is going to be an absolute crapshoot. Again, if, if, if ridiculous things start happening... Uh, during the rest of you know championship week into championship weekend uh, through Sunday, like who, who knows? Our fate's definitely in other people's hands at this point. Uh, last year, fates cooperated. Uh, this year, who knows? Yeah. Well, talking about fates, we had Clemson lose earlier today, which was good. We had Clemson would make it. Clemson probably not, but if they had made a deep run, um, right. you know, they could have been done something. Uh, we've have uh, Vodtech and Waker in a bloodbath. Uh, love Vodtech to win there. Uh, Rutgers is a tie with Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's making it, but it's still Especially fun. not now. Um, 
And then this has nothing to do with the tournament, but St. John's is up on Georgetown. So shout out to St. John's. Actually, I don't know. I mean, either way, we lose. Oh, it doesn't do anything for yeah. us. Well, St. John's, like... It's just funny. Because I, I, I wouldn't mind St. John's getting to the Big East Championship game and losing. No, that'd be all right. They don't steal a bid. They also make our loss look better, sort of. Yeah, because they have to win. I mean, they would have to win. They're, yeah. they're under 500. So, right. uh, yeah, that's where we're, we're at right now. And I think uh, we have Cal tonight, who is floating around. They could get right back in this. They could get right back in it. They have Oregon State, so... Uh, they should win that game. Yeah, they should, but Oregon State has some serious connections, so that would be nice uh, if they do us a favor. I, I wouldn't mind. If, if we're going to get to the playing game, we're going to lose. I wouldn't mind seeing Cal, just like for the jokes. Oh, God. I'll just take a couple days of jokes. Oh, that, that, I don't even know how yeah. I feel about that. I'll, I'll take a couple days of jokes, so... and then we go away. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Lacrosse season now. That's Lacrosse season. season's right back in there. Right. So I'm looking over the box score here, Dan, and... I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but I did say in the preview article, uh, watch out for Kamari Murphy. He's going to be the X factor whether or not this game goes in Miami's favor. Hometown hero. Yeah, he uh, he was the uh, the X factor. Uh, yeah, he was uh, by far the best player on the on the floor today. Yeah, I guess Andrew White might have been, but they they kind of figured out White uh, in the second half a bit. Well, Murphy was a central part. Of, like Murphy was the game plan for mm-hmm. them, and like and you knew it from the get go that like they were going to feed him and see if as you could stop him. On the interior, Syracuse really didn't show any ability to do so. Like, if you remember the first Miami game, that was when we first trotted out the, like, standard lineup. That was right after Boston the Boston College, College loss, yeah. which was like, oh, what, what is this team? Yeah, this team's probably hot garbage. Ends up they aren't, but well, they could or, be still. Or maybe... <laughs> what, maybe what are they? I still don't know what they are. Maybe cold garbage. But yeah, I, I think the... The thing this time is they knew that they'd be able to abuse Syracuse inside. They knew that if they could force, if they could force us to put another body on Murphy, that would mean more floor time for Roberson, which means that you now operate with four guys on the offensive end. Um, it was a smart move on their part because we made us play their style of basketball. Uh, we like to play a little, a little more pace this year, as everyone has probably figured out by this point. Miami does not. Um, they are one of the slower teams around, not as slow as Virginia necessarily, but Miami. Didn't Definitely did not play with any sort of pace this year. Um, and did like to turn games into slogs. Um, that is kind of how we ended up with this result. Again, Murphy was was the guy. Um, and then, you know, Vasilyevich again um, did exactly what he did last time, just to a little bit lesser extent. Um, we left him open. He had shots. Um, I think the two of them were, were, were the, the guiding forces in this offense. And the fact that, you know, better players... Uh, like Reed, Newton, some others, you know, didn't really have to get involved. Um, kind of a testament to how how well shots were falling for Miami. I know, you know, early in the game they were hitting it like a sixty five percent clip. Yeah, we did a couple big ones early. Yeah, that, that faded all the way down to about forty three percent later in the game. Uh, that was where they kind of finished off at. They only took fifty one shots on the game. Uh, Syracuse only took forty four shots. Which again, goes to show just how much uh, Miami was able to grind down this. Uh, this tempo and, and play their sort of ball game. And that, that to me, even more than whether they're at the Dome or not, dictates how well Syracuse is going to do in any future game, whether it's the NIT or hopefully the NCAA tournament, is that can Syracuse maintain its own tempo and, and play its game? That's how, that's how they push teams, and that's how they get into kind of manic. Like we almost tipped it a little bit in the last couple of minutes where after Gillen hit that three, 
you thought we were going to end up in manic comeback mode, which usually gets teams rattled. I felt like, Dan, you could tell me I'm wrong. I just felt like the press wasn't necessarily pressing at the end. Uh, it didn't get them too rattled. I think it did a, an okay job in a couple possessions of um, not letting Miami get maybe a great shot, but then they ended up with a, a layup late that kind of extended things out and pushed us to the situation where we had Dylan taking that off-balance three at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, the Syracuse press is never quite, like, a, the beautiful uh, work of art that you see with, like, Louisville or, uh, like, VCU of, of yesteryear. But, you know, it can be effective, and Miami, you know, it might have bothered Miami a little bit, but it didn't really uh, do no. enough damage to they handled, the game at the end. They handled it far more, I think, well than, like, Virginia does. Yeah. Virginia, and I think, you know, we kind of wrote the script for what everyone does to Virginia now. They just have ball handlers. Yeah. Miami is better ball handlers, I think, overall. Well, and yeah, Virginia plays... Virginia... What what we've done to Virginia is we've exposed a tightrope that they walk of... Like, because they have so few opportunities to shoot, if they start missing shots, they're done. Because they take less shots than everybody else, mm-hmm. they have less possessions than everybody else, they have less points per possession than everybody else. They, Actually, have, they have more points per possession than most because they're efficient with the ball, but they maximize their opportunities. So if you... If you force them to take non-efficient shots, then their opportunities are no longer maximized, and then suddenly their biggest strength is tossed out the window. Yeah, and if you had a couple shots in a row on them, like, if you if you just get their defense on its heels a little bit, then they're kind of in trouble. They actually remind me of uh, the 2014 SU team, like the NS team, where uh, super efficient, play as slow as humanly possible, uh, very one-point guard driven, but after him, like, there's not a lot of options in terms of ball handling. Right. Um, so that's why, like, if you press this Virginia team, and if you make parents make mistakes like they don't have a bailout guy they are just kind of sunk yeah and i think that was kind of the difference between this year's virginia and last year's virginia that's where virginia had you know two three four guys who could really make a difference this year you know you're, you're kind of you're leaning on parentis but there are other options coming up um but still i think obviously you know, you've got malcolm brogdon some others like you're definitely going to suffer um Dan, I guess before we hit halftime, it's going to be a little bit of an abbreviated show today, uh, just because it's later. Obviously, you know, I have other things to do, and there's still... Later for you, this is actually earlier than we usually yeah, record. This is earlier than we record. We have a, uh, we, we do have a full uh, night and, and a full uh, weekend of uh, ACC tournament action. Um Looking at the bracket for the ACC right now, it doesn't seem like anything is... Uh, is surprising as we speak. Uh, Dan, who do you have winning this thing now that Syracuse is not uh, an option? Um, I don't know. It, it's The ACC is very weird this year uh, in terms of, like, I just don't think there's that one team that stands out. Um, I think UNC is probably the deepest uh, team. They, they won, you know, they came out uh, with the one seed in the league. I kind of, I don't know, in, in years like this, I always kind of default to Louisville. I think they're just so well-coached, and they play that disruptive style, and they play well in tournament play. Like, how many times have they been in the Big East the last couple of years? Like, two or three. Um, they play like trash against North Carolina. And that's they, really yeah. they have to beat to win. Well, assuming North Carolina doesn't get picked off by, like, Miami beat UNC by 15 this year. So, that that's probably not the matchup. they probably much rather play us. Right. Um, and I wish we were there to, to lose to them. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll go to Louisville, but I mean, I could see like the top five or six in this league winning, honestly. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of torn between UNC and Duke right now. Um, UNC is an easy pick. Duke is 
Mercurial, and for some reason Clemson like sort of had their number this year. Yeah, that was scary down the stretch. I was yeah, it was uh, a little little tight. And like like we said, you know, Clemson wasn't making it off one win, but you know that that also seemed to, to point out some of the dangers of of you know the way the ACC handles this seeding process. And it's not just the ACC; a lot of leagues do it exactly the same way. The Big East did it similarly too. It's pretty dumb just from a standpoint of you know rewarding teams that didn't necessarily do much. Um, that goes for Clemson, Georgia Tech, which ended up falling into the first day matchups. Even Boston College was able to pull an upset over Wake Forest. Um, things like that. Teams that handle their business, Miami, Syracuse, had to deal with a much tougher uh, matchup in their first game in the ACC tournament and then head straight to the one line to face North Carolina. While, um, again, obviously some of these other teams, especially when you look at how the... Uh, the seating sh- shook out a little bit. Um, Louisville, I know Hoya Sucks had talked about this on his post a couple days ago. Like Louisville's kind of underseated. Florida State and Notre Dame are probably overseated. Yeah. So that's how you end up with the. That's how you end up with, you know, the two best, arguably the two best teams in the league, um, in one half of the bracket along with Duke, and then you have teams that others can definitely beat: Florida State, um, Notre Dame. That's how Virginia, I think, has like the second best odds to win it, or at least did at the beginning of the tournament, because um, just because of how, how this, the seeds worked out, um, and again, that's how you end up with a team like Wake. That you know, I mean, knock on wood, if Wake is able to do something tonight against Virginia Tech, maybe maybe not. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like 84, it. Eighty-four seventy-five with two and a half minutes left. If Wake were able to do something, um, you know, that they would be a direct beneficiary of how this tournament kind of shook out. Um, I wrote an article for the comeback today, kind of talking about mid-majors and why they shouldn't um, participate in championship week because they're just hurting themselves. Or at least not the way they do now. No. With the full the full array of teams. Yeah, you're just hurting yourself when it comes to postseason shares, all those other things. Um, I think there's a, there's a case to be made. I know a lot of people have been talking about it this week um, on Twitter. Just a different way to run even major conference tournaments that, especially like if you're going to have leagues that are 14, 15 teams deep, like then find a way to reward those top eight to ten teams in, in a way that, that, you know, is different than what you're doing right now, which is harming them. You know what I actually was thinking about today, like right after the loss? I wondered if Syracuse would have been better off being the nine and beating BC. Or, no, better off being like the ten and getting the first time after the nine didn't play. Um, would Syracuse have been better off with the same exact record uh, I don't know. It wouldn't have worked out in terms of the same way because uh, Wake had what a, a one game fewer one. Yeah, Wake won the last. I don't think they would have been better off being nine to nine. But I wonder if, like, in a weird scenario, SC would have been better off playing on Tuesday against one of those teams and winning, and, and then I, still losing to Miami. I, I like. I, I think. I think almost. Almost definitely. Yeah, because then you get SC to what uh, nineteen wins. Um, you get them, you know, they, you just say, oh, they beat Georgia Tech, they beat whomever it would have been, BC, Georgia Tech again. Um, and, and unless it was Boston College, it probably would have been at least viewed as a decent win. Um, Although maybe, you know, if we just beat Boston College the first time around, like, we should have. Well, then we probably would have had, we wouldn't have any of this discussion. Yeah, yeah, or if we beat UConn or Georgetown or uh, one of the other, hit the second time, uh, or one of the other 8,000 games they could have won. Well, the BC game gl- is glaring to me because of how easy it should be on paper. If we win that game, we're 11-7. and seven. We end up with a t- in a tie with Duke and Virginia. We have tiebreakers over both of them. Right. So we would have been the sixth? We would have been... Or the, 
would have been the five. five. That would have been hilarious. Right. <laughs> it would have been the five. We still would have had to face North Carolina, but not until around later. We'd definitely be in. They, they would never leave out the number five team in the ACC. Right. They could. You could talk about leaving out the number eight because you know there's such a jumble right. from like seven to eleven. But yeah, I mean, they're they're like you could have won a lot of results and. Pretty much, yeah, we find ourselves in, like, the one spot where we lost all the things we need to lose to end up exactly on this, like, precipice of making it or not. And it's not even, like, you know, it's easy to rank us in the bubble. Some people have us, like, in uh, without the playing team. Some people have us, like, oh, they can't be in at all. So it's just, it's a whole mess. Who knows? What the, and now we now we leave it up to the selection committee. So who even, who even knows? Like, yeah. last year they, they gave us a gift. Um, it didn't look like it at the time. I mean, it was nice to get in, but it didn't look like it because we had Michigan State staring at, you know, staring us down and a Dayton team Tennessee. that we were all stared of, stared of um, that we ended up smoking. But um, I, I don't expect that that will have any – I don't think that indicates anything this year. I no. don't think there's going to be a pro or anti-Syracuse bias in terms of – I just don't know that – I don't trust them to uh, – I don't know. I don't know that I would be able to do it if I was in that in that room. Like, I have no idea what to make of this team. I would agree. Um, I think this is a good time for, not halftime, it's going to be like more towards the back of the end of the podcast, but I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Sports Passport. Um, we've been talking about them for a few weeks now. Um, I know, Dan, you going to any games this week? Or are you you done now that... Uh, I would have gone, my work schedule didn't really work out. I would have probably been able to go on Friday if they had made it, and that was going to be it. Or if they had like seeded, if they had been like the sit seed, then I would have probably gone to all of them. Right. So just like, the, the, eight, the eight seed was not a good, good spot for me. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe Friday if I'm bored, if there's, like, two tickets or something, I'll check it out. But Fair. we'll see. Yeah, I am. Uh, I will be at least a couple of the games going forward. I'll be at the championship almost certainly. Uh, I'm actually here, as uh, some might know, with uh, New York Life this week, helping them out on social. Uh, so I'll be on their Facebook Live, some other things, talking uh, ACC basketball. Sadly, not about Syracuse. Um, but, yeah, I'll be using Sports Passport. You can uh, you can kind of be friends with folks, too, and follow along and see uh, what games they're checking into. So if I uh, if I find some cool photos, I'll be sure to share those on there. Um, as a reminder, Sports Passport is a really cool way to be able to keep track of uh, games you've gone to, uh, the best players, the best moments. Um, take photos. Obviously, you have a full logbook of um, which games you've been to the most, which venues you've been to the most, um, which teams have which records you've been to, which teams you know win more at home when you're there versus uh, on the road. Um, but I, I know... Uh, someone like me, a little bit of a numbers junkie. Uh, it's fun to just kind of sort around the, uh, all the details they have in there. And you can also use the app now. Um, you just search Sports Passport. It's on the App Store. Um, and you can check in the games that way as well, using the location services. Very cool. And there are plenty of games to go to around the country for the next couple of weeks. As there well. are indeed. Um, okay. Beer. Dan, what have you been drinking as I pull up your untapped page in front of me? Yeah, so I was just trying to figure out when the last time I was on, because you guys filled in for me last week. Um, and that was an afternoon while I was in South Carolina. So since then, uh, had a, uh, you know, I've been all over the place. Um, that weekend, I checked out River Rat Brewery in Columbia, which I had not heard of until I went there. Really cool space. Like, they had an outdoors. There were dogs everywhere. It was fun. Um, I'd say they're, the best two I had from there were their American Pulse Story, and their Metal Man Pale Ale. Um, I think everything was just like rock solid. Nothing like super, you know, that I'd jump out of my seat to go find again. But, you know, if you're if you're down in that area, um, it was all pretty good. Uh, I've had the Goose Island Sophie, which is their Saison, which is, you know, really, really delicious. Uh, one of their better known beers. Um, I checked out Innerboro Spirits and Ales, which is in uh, Brooklyn. 
Um, I've had a couple of things from them. I hadn't had them before, um, but I had their uh, Mad Fat Fluid, which is an IPA, which was good. And then their uh, Stay Gold IPA, which they brewed for the string of Around the Jewels concerts in town uh, last week, which was delicious, uh, really unfiltered and hazy and, and really good. I uh, one more of those sitting in my fridge. I don't know if they're ever going to brew it again, so uh, just happy to get my hands on that. Um, let's see what else I had. Uh, Susan from Hill Farmstead. Hill Farmstead, always great. And uh, one of the better ones I had this week, uh, Other Half here in Brooklyn, uh, their Dreamin' Green I had the other day uh, on the IPA, um, which was really delicious. So you also had some mashed vanilla. I did have mashed vanilla, yeah. Their mash series is great. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not always the biggest barley wine fan, but it was uh, definitely interesting. Um, it's a pretty big beer. It's like, it's a lot. But 13 and a half or so? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've had, and obviously I get a lot of the brewery stuff. Mm. Um, mash Vanilla is one of my favorites. Mash and Grind is probably my favorite of the mash series. I mean, this, this is the only one I've had so far. They don't get like a ton of distro. I know that. Uh, um, John Brown Smokehouse up in Long Island City. That's the place I always see brewery stuff. Hmm. If you find, find a little time and you want to go eat some barbecue. Good to know. Yeah, I've had, mash is okay. Again, like I'm like you, I'm not like a huge Aaron Goldfarb is like grinding his teeth right now and like, getting pissed <laughs> off because he's a huge barley wine fan. But um, I'm not a major barley wine fan, but the brewery's barley wines are usually pretty excellent. Uh, Mash Vanilla is probably one of my favorites. Uh, Mash and Grind is my favorite. I've also had Mash and French Toast this year, which was very interesting. That's, yeah, that's something. It didn't get as much of the maple as, as they were looking for or the cinnamon. Um, and I actually drank that one pretty close to like bottling. Uh, mash and coconut's pretty excellent as well. So. Yeah, I always feel like with something like that, I would almost go like I'd rather miss it a little bit than go too much. Because right. then you have like a kind of a gross, undrinkable beer. If you go too little, you're like, all right, well, I see what they were trying to go for here. Maybe they could be a little less cautious with it. Buy that. Um, on my end, I really didn't drink a ton last week. This is, I mean, I you were, you were riding hot streak. This has to be the all-time. Yeah, this is... We're going, like, a few straight weeks of, of Dan just running laps around me. I've been to a bunch of breweries and I was traveling, so I have an excuse, but... Well, now we're going to drink the same stuff this yes. tonight, so we're not going to... So there's not going to be any one-upping going on. Um, but, let's see. I swung over to Ballast Point at Long Beach for the first time in a while. Um, had the uh, Lone Shark series with Simcoe. which they a uh, sour. It wasn't too bad. They had Anything Goza After Midnight. It was a uh, Dark Goza, which was a weird concept. Definitely didn't know how it was goes because it didn't really have any of the characteristics. The, like, salty, sour. Yeah, like, it wasn't salty. It wasn't really that sour. It wasn't really that light. So I'm like, so this is more of a just straight wild ale that <laughs> you're just trying to pass off something else. Anyway. It's um, like the name. Like, ooh, dark goes it. Yeah, perfect. It's like, this had to taste like fruit because of the balance point. That's how they work now. Um, also had, speaking of fruit, uh, Tangerine Express IPA from Stone. Uh, was not bad at all. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. And then uh, I don't know, had like some Golden Road line in the fridge, so I had a ride on IPA, and that was really good. And I, uh, I definitely drank more before than than I drank in this past week, which is fine. I was kind of saving up and uh, giving my liver a break for uh, for the trip to New York. Burgeoning Brooklyn brewer uh, you're seeing here. Indeed, indeed. There are so many good breweries here. We are headed to Threes Brewing shortly. With a, a host of, uh, of new magician, past and former, uh, past and current contributors. I know uh, Sean Farrell might be there. Okay. Oh, um, you got a whole crew. Yeah, Andy Pregler will be there. Hillfire will not be joining us, but I'll see him later in the week. Uh, so, yeah. 
Dan, anything else before we uh, before we depart? I know, uh, again, shorter podcast, but I think one that, because we actually have, you know, visual cues now, it becomes much easier, at least this episode, for Dan and I to be able to <laughs> to quickly convey topics and, and, and know which direction we're both headed in. Uh, oh, I don't even know. I, I've i just been, like, racking my brain over this tournament thing. This is, like, it's kind of baffling that Syracuse ends up being one of the craziest, like, bubble teams. And granted, maybe that's because, uh, like, I don't really care that much if, if, you know, Cal makes it in whatever year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it seems like the, the first bubble team and the most talked about bubble team for every single segment that's been done in the last two days has been Syracuse. And once again... It is, we, we did the thing that assures that we are as bubbly as possible. So, congrats to us. It is the most serious thing that could have happened. Congrats to us indeed. Um, before we go, <laughs> one more thing. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Jim Beheim for being Jim Beheim. Oh, he was once so, again, so Jim Beheim tonight. Just, uh, you, you catch Jim after a loss and, and some fun things will happen. And, and, and Jim was, uh, Jim was throwing bows at Greensboro. And th- th- this was right up there at the Danny's controversy. Uh, City of Greensboro tweeted like, talking some shit. I will say, that it was a good tweet. Um, it was factual. We had not won an ACC tournament game yet. Uh, I went to Greensboro last time, or no, two times, well, the time we played there, because we were suspended for the second time. Um, Greensboro uh, is not good. Uh, the Coliseum is average. Uh, and unless you're a Duke, NC State, Wake Forest, or a UNC fan, I don't see why you'd rather be there than... I mean, it's, this isn't even a New York thing. But no, like he said... Put it in Atlanta, put it in D.C., put it in Boston, put it in Philly if you want. Um, put it in Charlotte. Charlotte's an awesome town, and it's right there. It will and, be in Charlotte soon. Yeah, and it's going to be in Charlotte. Greensboro, there literally, literally is nothing there. There's, like, one restaurant next to the place, and there's, like, a couple bars a couple streets away. And it's not all that easy to get to compared to all these other places. It's not uh, any kind of media hub. So, like, I appreciate history, but, like, there's a difference between, like, and I, I hate sounding like an old, like, the Big East person because I'm so not that. Um, there's a difference between your history is at MSG and your history is in Greensboro. And there's also plenty, like, I, I think, who was it in the comments section that, like, broke down the numbers? Like, Greensboro really hasn't hosted it that many more times than Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, it's only been, like, a, maybe five, six more times. It's not even that much. And, like, yeah, this is, hosting in Greensboro is like hosting the ACC tournament Clemson. Like, there's... There's no value to it other than the fact that you want to say you had it at a smaller, more quote-unquote intimate venue. Maybe Barclays doesn't fit the bill there um, and doesn't fit the bill as much as MSG does, but um, if the ACC can ever get itself into MSG, I will guarantee a lot of people to change their tune no matter what Syracuse does in that building. Yeah, and even Barclays, like I've been there a million times, Barclays is a much nicer arena than Greensboro Coliseum. Like, who, who's, who's out there standing for the historical Greensboro policy? Probably some NC State. A lot of people, apparently. Yeah, but they're all from the same four schools. Like, <laughs> come on, this is a new league. I know NC runs the thing, but, like, let's let's be realistic here. Like, there are Duke and UNC fans everywhere. They're going to come up to New York. They'll go down to Miami. There are a lot of cities in the landscape here that are good for this. Greensboro is, what, the 25th best city to host this in, in ACC country? Like, come on. At best. So, Jim Beheim, yes, Jim Beheim's a dick. We all know Jim Beheim's a dick. We're all fans of that, to be frank here. Um, We'd hate him for it if he was, fan, if he was coaching. Oh, 100%. Him. But he is a factual dick in this regard. <laughs> this, this is 100% a true statement. I would concur. Uh, I think that's a good place to end us on. Um, this is a shorter one than normal, but 
bear with us. We're going to have some cool stuff going on for the rest of the week. I'll be hanging out with some mascots in the next couple days, get some behind-the-scenes content around the ACC tournament. Uh, just because Syracuse is out doesn't mean that I'm not going to have some interesting things to share and see and do. So, uh, yeah. Keep tuning in to the news Twitter feed, Facebook, um, obviously on the blog. Um, and Dan, thanks for trekking over to Brooklyn. Should be a fun night. The Go Orange, please don't get left out of the tournament on Sunday. Yes, please don't do that. Napa know-how. Right now, you can get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card by mail with the purchase of a Napa Legend Premium Battery. Its durability and power make it the obvious choice for people who hate getting stranded by a dead car battery. So pretty much everyone. The Napa Legend Premium Battery and $20 back. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Limit two per household while supplies last. Offer ends 228.19. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.